Hello, basketball fans. We're the Peach Basket Pundits, and this is the world's most scrumtrolescent basketball podcast. This is Basket Hall here, and as always, I'm here with my co-hosts PJ and BMO. This is season two of the podcast, and we're looking forward to bringing our fans another great season of content. We hope you enjoyed season one, and uh, we actually wanted to demonstrate and appreciate our fans out there uh, and read some of the comments and feedback that we received from you from season one. Uh, first, when immediately hearing about the podcast, uh, one of our biggest fans, Scotty Tuhati, uh, he responds with, yes, you can just hear the enthusiasm uh, from what he typed. Uh, we also heard from the Sarge. Uh, he was one of our, our biggest fans throughout the season. He said he had never been more proud once he heard that we were up and live with our podcast. He thought it was amazing when Peter lost in our first one-on-one segment. Uh that became his favorite segment. Uh, he responded later saying that's the best. Uh, he also wants it to be renamed to Loser Wins. Uh, so we're going to look at that. We got a request for some betting guidance. You know, sites like FanDuel, etc. out there. Uh, so maybe we'll give the pundit parlay picks, perhaps. You know, we'll, we'll take a look at that for this season. Uh, from user Mr. Turducken, uh, we got the comment, I'm going to be so learnt in the ways of basketball. Uh, clearly indicating that our podcast is known for its exceptional educational quality. Uh, we also got feedback that this is amazing. You know, people are excited. Uh, and then lastly, we had uh, from the user Garwood, Garwood, Garwood. He simply says, Doctor. So again, we appreciate all of our fans, all the feedback. Uh, we also heard that you want to get more of the outtakes that we put at the end of the, each episode. So we've expanded those. Uh, and while we don't have any comments from them yet, we do want to welcome our international audience. We've recently added listeners from India. Uh, so thank you all for listening. Thanks for the encouragement and support. Uh, and I have another exciting announcement ahead of season two here is we've hired an intern. Uh, his name is Mickey. He is a 24-year-old sophomore attending Webb Institute, where he is double majoring in naval architecture and marine engineering. Uh, so he's going to be around to fact check us, do some stat hounding, internet sleuthing, and coffee gathering. Uh, the only blemish that we saw on his resume was that he's a Kings fan. Uh, and he swears that the combination of Sabonis and Fox is going to be a great tandem this year. Uh, so welcome, Mickey. So we're here at the beginning of October. The season starts on the 18th, so we've got just a little over two weeks before that kicks off. So let's get going. You know, let's jump in. We've got a lot to talk about. Right, Brenton? Lots to talk about, gentlemen. Lots to talk about. Indeed. Let's start with a let's start with a uh, projection over under on how many days into the season Russell Westbrook makes it as a Laker. (laughs) As a Laker, I don't think it's going to be very long. I'm gonna I'm gonna say two. Whoa! Whoa! Whoa. I'll take the under. (laughs) Yeah. Garbage plate is the wager. Eh? Eh? Okay. Ooh, that's all right. Put that down. So, I'll tell you uh, yeah, what, Brenton, it better not be a garbage plate from Bill Grace. Those aren't <laughs> real garbage <laughs> plates. <laughs> Just FYI. Those, those, are, those do not count. Those are more of, um, well, I don't even know what to call them, but they are not a, not a Rochester's finest garbage plate. I can tell you that. Well, let's, we need to actually put dates. So, Peter, are you sticking with your 82 that he's going to be there the whole season? Peter. 
Say again? Sorry. No, that's okay. Are you going to stick with that um, Westbrook makes it as a Laker the entire season? Uh, I will give myself a paper cut, and I will write it in blood. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm definitely taking the under on that. He will not be on the Lakers come yeah, gone. Give, come gone. Day or, or game number. Okay. Out, out there too. I will say he does not make it still on the Lakers past Christmas. That's my projection. Oh, baby Jesus' birthday. <laughs> That's Christmas. So let's see. That's going to be. That's what you probably got 30 games in by now? Yeah, approximately. So, like, somewhere slightly more than a third of the season. Right. Are you going to take the under under? Are you going to take the. Under. Okay. Hmm. Now, uh, I think I'm going to be. I mean, all you have to do is just say trade deadline, right? That's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and I forget where that, I'm just going to, I'll call it half season, 41 games. How about that? Okay. Well, if you go on a true half season, I think that's prior to the official trade deadline. I think so too. Um, I'm going to write in notes slash trade, but. Russell Westbrook, Oklahoma City Thunder legend. And if he does go, where does he land? Who wants him? Nobody. Nobody wants him. Who would take him? What's he going to offer your team? If you're Brooklyn Nets. If you're an up-and-coming team, he is going to get in the way of you trying to develop your rookies. If you're a team that's contending, he's going to get in the way because he thinks he's better than he is. Well, let's let's get Pete's take here. Pete is of the mindset that he has value add, and he's going to be with a Los Angeles Laker for the entire season. Pete, what say you? Why why do you say that uh, the Lakers are going to keep him? Uh, I think because he has a big salary number, and I think he, even though he's struggling, I feel like he will bring people to the Staples Center to watch him play because from time to time, Russell Westbrook can do some pretty nice moves or do a little dunkaroo on a fast break. And the people in Los Angeles, man, they're all about that fluff, all about that glitz and glamour. I I would agree with that statement. I don't think that uh, anybody in Los Angeles is looking for a boring game, but I think they already have a team in Los Angeles to cheer for that probably will make the playoffs and go deep in the playoffs. And I don't think they wear purple and gold. Just they saying. Not. Are you talking about the Sparks? <laughs> uh, well, since I have no comment on anything related to the Los Angeles Sparks, I will say I'm not talking about them. Man, it's too bad. Yeah, I, I I can offer no commentary on them. I just not aware. But I think you're right. Clippers are the only LA team that's making the playoffs. The Lakers will not. 
Westbrook will be gone. Who knows where he'll end up? The, to me, the problem is with Westbrook. Is, again, he's better than he thinks he is. He still can offer a lot to a team. He can go out and he can average 16, 8, and 8. The he can. Is, he can. The problem is he wants to go out because he thinks he can do 30, 10, and 10 and is going to shoot, which he should never do. Uh, and he just takes down everybody around him. He's not building anybody else up. He gets in the yeah. way. If he was willing to take a hit to the ego or listen to some other folks around him, hopefully they're telling him, you're still good. You're just not great. Like, figure out your niche and where you can help a team. Don't try and be the man. Right. Speaking of uh, shooting, there is a take out there by a professional basketball coach saying that he does not care if his multi-million dollar point guard ever takes a shot again. Did you guys see that? I didn't see that. Yeah, Mr. That Steve Nash. Rubbish. Mr. Steve Nash says he's okay if Ben Simmons never shoots. As long as they win, he's okay. I don't know about that, but I'm just I mean, here's the thing. If you I understand where Coach Nash is coming from. He doesn't need Ben Simmons to be a scorer. You still do need him to shoot, because otherwise he's no longer, he can't be in triple threat position if he's in a double threat. And the defense can react to that, and you're just going to sag off him. Sure. That clock's in where you don't have people cutting, fewer passing lanes. It's it's not. Again, I get what he's saying, but you do actually need him to try and shoot. Keep the defense honest. Does um, Steve Nash know that he's coaching a basketball team and not a soccer team? (laughs) My thought process was it could be a bit of reverse psychology. So he could be claiming that publicly, but he could be building up Ben Simmons privately. um, Because let's be honest, I mean, Steve Nash was a really good shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, in his career. And so maybe he's doing the whole mental gymnastics with the media to put Ben on a spot where he could potentially succeed. But um, I don't know. That remains to be seen. I mean, we're jumping subjects here left and right. We're talking about Russell. We're talking about Ben. We're talking about the Clippers making the playoffs. I, I don't know. I'm just excited about basketball, which is technically only about a week, two weeks away from preseason. So here we go. Here we go. Um, Well, I I think we're also excited as Hawks fans because we're going to win the chip this year. So that's right. Yep. Best backcourt in the league. Mark it down. So, I mean, talk Hawks for a second. There was other player movements. Uh, Hawks have acquired some other players. Did you see we actually picked up a couple of holidays? Just, I did see that. We got Justin two ho- two holiday Aaron. brothers. Yes, yeah. both both those uh, brothers are going to be joining the Hawks, and I think that they definitely will assimilate nicely into that role player slots, and I think that uh, that's going to be beneficial. And it actually means that we are we're one step closer to a monopoly. Like if we get Drew, then we've got all the holidays, and then you know we'd have a monopoly, right? At a hotel, call it. Uh, I see what you did there, <laughs> and I I like it. I like it. 
<laughs> so it'll basically be like someone in the corporate world in Europe who's just on a on a on a constant holiday. Is that is that what that is? I, th- I think that's what they're after, Pete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you hit the nail right on the head. That's that's what they're gunning for, and um, they're going to achieve it. I mean, once the once the Hawks organization sets their mind to something, look out. That's right. Let's talk uh, the third piece of the puzzle in our trifecta here in our podcast. Mr. Govenda, what are your thoughts on your beloved Bulls? I think the Bulls made a couple of savvy pickups. Um, I think think picking up Andre Drummond, who is a big physical player, is uh, something that the Bulls definitely lacked in their playoff run last season especially when they played the Bucks, who just were basically driving ball to basket and posting up and scoring with ease. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am glad to see that they added Drummond, who is not not quite the same player that he was years ago, but he's uh, still a ser- serviceable big man. So I liked that pickup. Um, they also picked up Goran Dragic, who – is a solid backup point guard, which is something that they definitely need because Lonzo Ball is apparently uh, having a having another surgery because he is still not healthy. So a little yeah. bit, little bit frustrated with that because when Ball was healthy last year, the uh, Bulls were looking very dangerous. Yeah, I think the uh, the Bulls were very. Um... Very much so excited to see what that team could do. And then with the setback recently that he's not healthy, um, I think that it's casting a kind of a negative cloud towards that organization, not for any fault of their own. It's just, you know, you want to put the best team on the floor. And I don't think that they're been able to do that for quite some time. So the injury bug certainly is dampering their uh, likelihood of making a big run, but you never know. Maybe he just hasn't found the right surgeon yet. Who knows? I think that's a pretty good point, Brent. And we'll uh, see, we'll see how things go for the Bulls this year. I mean, I, I mean, I think that they're still going to finish in that five to six spot for the uh, playoffs. Um, and then I, and I think with a healthy Zach Levine, I think that the Bulls will have a pretty good, pretty good shot. But we'll uh, see how the uh, year turns out. Yeah, for sure. That's the other fun uh, homework piece, I guess, the three of us can do before the next time we meet. Is uh, why don't we come up with some preseason rankings and see where we all end up? I think that's a good call. Okay. Uh, we can definitely run through that for one of the, the next ones. We can do East and West separately. We can run it all through because, yeah, it's new season, new players. Uh, I also just want to throw it out there for our listeners. I have yet to receive my coveted beach towel. It is sitting next to oh. me. Uh, oh, so you have it on hand. That's oh, yeah. exciting. That's exciting. Yeah, just, in, just in time for beach weather, too. Yes. <laughs> Perfect time. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Uh, I have not yet closed my pool, so uh, let's go. Let's uh, let's make that happen. <laughs> yeah. I've got that and one other thing here for you. So I'm have to get, get Ooh, bonus, bonus, bonus. 
Is it a meet and greet? Uh, the yeah, we're gonna need to figure something out. Okay. All right. So there was lots of other you know, off-season news, uh, things that happened since the last time we talked, and I think one of the ones to to put out there. We knew last time that uh, we did our podcast that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were looking to go elsewhere. Trade mm-hmm. requests, get them out. Uh, the question was just where were they going? Well, turns out they're staying put. <laughs> Durant has rescinded his trade request uh, after, I guess, making it at least twice formally. So mm-hmm. I guess, what do you think of that? What is the, the mindset for Durant, Irving, uh, and the Nets organization as a whole. How do you move on from? It's like you're in a relationship, and the other person says, "I want to break up." And then a couple months later, like, "Nah, never mind." <laughs> do, you, do you trust yeah. it? Are you trying to move them separately? Like, what do you think? Well, I think that their hands are pretty much tied with Kyrie um, <laughs> after everything that transpired, and then him opting in. I don't think the market on either one of those guys is as hot as the Nets thought. That being said, there's there's always a will and a way if you are looking to make a deal. I just don't think that the Nets were willing to sacrifice on their end enough to where teams thought that they really were actually trying to move those guys. I think there was probably three or four offers that were somewhat decent, but they just weren't in the range where the Brooklyn Nets thought that they could get enough bang for their buck. That being said, I think they're going to roll and see what they can do. I just don't know how far they're going to go, especially with the flaky commitment attitudes that we've seen from Kyrie in years past, Uh, unrelated to the pandemic. You know, I think that he has, been a couple instances where he just has not been playing basketball and nobody can really answer as to why. So if you ask me if I trust them as an organization, possibly, but they have to prove it. Yeah, and at the same time, they'd still have a ton of talent. I mean, Durant, Irving, uh, Hall of Fame players. Ben Simmons can do well in the right situation. Mm-hmm. So they've got some talent there, but it just doesn't look like they're going to be cohesive, coordinated. Like they won't be on the same page. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think that that's a recipe for success. And I think there's other folks in the organization that see that too. Really. Uh, so like Blake Griffin was there and now he's a Celtic. Right. And if you think if you, if you're seeing the talent of those guys on a daily basis, as well as their interactions, you're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm out of here. I think that speaks a lot. Yeah. So it, it creates a culture, right? So if those are the two guys that you would say are the leaders of that organization uh, on the floor, at least, um, and you got other guys that are seasoned veterans that are saying, I'm all set. That doesn't really create a culture of this is a place to come and potentially compete for a championship. I think that you're going to find that other people are going to be reluctant to sign those uh, veteran minimum deals 
to come and join alongside of them until they prove themselves. Now, mm-hmm. if they come out hot out of the gate and they go on a big winning streak and it's looking like they are pouring all their chips all in, then maybe that'll change and maybe there can be some midseason adjustments. But I think players and other GMs are very cautious as to how they approach that whole situation. And really, they've got to do it on their own. So let's see what uh, KD and Kyrie can do. Makes for some exciting basketball, especially in the months of uh, October, November, and December, because potentially they could lose themselves and put themselves in a hole early, and then it's all going to be for nothing. Because we all know the Atlanta Hawks are going to be the number one seed. Obviously. Hey-o. 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 I'm jumping on that. Peter, what what do you think the value add for KD and Kyrie is right now? The value add? Um, I think that the Nets season is going to hinge on Ben Simmons. Um, I mean, I still am very cautious to think that he is going to come back and be the same player that he was because – I think when you don't do something for a very long time, then you get then you get out of rhythm doing that thing, whether it's singing a song, whether it's playing the drums, whether it's shooting a basketball. So we will see what happens this year. If uh, Simmons doesn't play again, then I have the Nets being a fringe playoff team, even with – Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, who I have great respect for their best for their sports scene abilities, as they are because they are both tremendous basketball players. But I just don't think that the players around them are very good right now. So as you look at back at the great point, Pete, great point. Uh, in the 2022 season, they were the only team in both conferences that got swept in any series of the playoffs, the only team. Yep. So they came into the off season with a very negative taste in their mouth because they were the only team to be swept. They got bounced very early as far as projections go. Then you have the whole drama saga that was displayed out in the media and in the sports world with the two of them, then you still have, we still have yet to see Ben Simmons play. So he's kind of like the linchpin into this scenario. And that, again, this is going to put a lot of pressure on him and his capacity to thrive in this type of situation, which up until this point, he has not proved that he can be successful. So I don't know. I, I think they are in for a potentially difficult situation. But then again, Kyrie has probably got the smoothest handles in the league. KD is a proven scorer, and he he can turn it on at any point in the game. So I don't know. They're, they're going to have to prove it. Chris, you agree? Yeah, I agree. And I think you said something early on that unless they come out hot and can convince some other folks to, to join up, but, you know, they've got some momentum. Even if they do come out hot, I would like that's fool's goal to me. But I think it's an indication, yeah, you can win a couple games early in the season because everyone's trying to find their footing and mm-hmm. you've got enough uh, 
top talent to win, but you're not a team. I would not look at early season success as a good indicator that they're going to do well. It it might get some folks to think that, but it's as you jump ship, I don't think it's order of good. I think demonstrated like uh, in last year's playoffs, you get swept. If you don't have a team, if you don't have that um, camaraderie, cohesion, whatever, you're not going to make it. And I think that they're right now a collection of individual players, not a team. Agreed. What other hot takes have we got out there? Uh, so one of the other uh, big trades from the offseason, Rudy Gobert to the Wolves. Mm. Um, so, I mean, they've got uh, big men, the, the corner on the market in terms of big men. Uh, do you think that's enough for them to actually move to that next level to be in contention, or are they still missing some pieces? Peter? I mean, any team that has Ant Edwards on it, to me, is a contender. He's the biggest, he is a certified beast. So, you know, throw in the old Frenchman. <laughs> from, yeah, from NBA standards, I mean, he's certainly not old. And he's not old, but. No. The See where old, he goes. O-L. The old. <laughs> the old. All right. So I added another consonant to your to your statement. So I'll remove the D. <laughs> no, you, um, no, you added some consternation. Okay. <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, so, yeah, I think that um, if you're asking, does he make a difference on that team? I think absolutely he does. You know, first of all, he's going to take a lot of pressure off of the defensive side for the other big man that they have up there, the self-proclaimed greatest shooting big man of all time. <laughs> um, he, Mr. Cat, um, did win the three. He did win the three-point shootout but he kind of did what we thought he was going to do and that he underwhelmed in their, their playoffs. Um, I think Rudy does help them. I just don't know how far he's going to be able to take them. Um, The other thing is I don't think in the last five years, Gobert has played a full season yet. I could be wrong on that stat. And we probably need somebody to fact check us, but I don't think he has played a full season in the last five years. We'll have so, our, our intern go do some stats. Uh, yep, jump jump on that intern. Yes, um, but I think that um, definitely the Utah Jazz have folded up the chapter of making a a big run. They've gotten rid of Gobert. They've gotten rid of Mitchell, and they even oh, got yeah. rid. of of Mr. Ingles. Yes. Ingles is gone. Ingles is gone. So I think that team is definitely in rebuild mode. They're going to have to compete with OKC to see who can be the worst. Um, Or maybe Sacramento. You can lump them in there. They're on uh, rebuild version 19.8 in Sacramento. Sorry, guys. It's just the way it is. Um, So, yeah, we'll see. Um, What do you think, Chris? Is he enough to move the needle in the right direction and potentially allow them to get into a scenario where they're maybe in the conference finals? Do you think that 
he does that for them or no? Um, almost. How about that? So uh, he helps the team. Uh, he anchors the defense. And I think that's actually going to free up Cat uh, to not need to worry so much, like being the only person to carry or try to carry, I should say, both sides of the court. Um, I think that's going to do a lot to help. It's, I don't know. You look at the West. They're not in my top four or five. Like in the middle of the pack in terms of playoff teams in the West. So, so yeah, they're helps, right, but it's not enough. You're right. They're right on the cusp then. So they might have a home playoff series or they might be on the road. You just they're not doing enough to get over that proverbial hump, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It'll be interesting to see. Um let's talk about the other, you know, trade from the Jazz to the Cavaliers. Yes. You know, going from the west to the east, we've always said that the there are certainly some bottom feeders in the East that continually do not get better. Uh, the Cavaliers have made some runs of late, but uh, does this help them as an organization to go deeper into the playoffs? What do you think? I think it does. I think they're an up-and-coming team with a lot of good young talents, and you're adding in now a, uh, a, a star to join next to them while that team continues to grow. I think they can do a lot of things, particularly – East, uh, just because I think there's a little bit more, it's a little more open than the West. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's it's good on the Cavs. I was surprised. I thought that uh, Mitchell was going to wind up with the Knicks, um, but I think we're going to do great things. No, they decided to give a hundred million dollars to Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson, of course. That's what we choose. <laughs> listen the guy has tenacity he played really hard in the playoffs last year for dallas but he's He's i'm 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 sorry he's not worth a hundred million dollars he's just not but that's my take that's my opinion i'm entitled to that and nobody can change my mind um it's very interesting that the i mean mitchell's still on the correct side of 30 and he actually hurts the average age of that roster by a few mm-hmm. years um, with all the young talent that they have there in Cleveland. Uh, Pete, what do you think about the new revised version of the Cleveland Cavaliers? Um, as a Chicago Bulls fan, I hate it because <laughs> okay. Cleveland is Cleveland is going to actually be pretty good, I think. Um, tearing up Mitchell with that uh, young gun there, Mobley, is a versatile. He can play on the outside a little bit. He can hurt you on the inside. They got, they got, they got size and Jared Brown. They got the wily Kevin Love. They have a lot of good players on that. So I am a little bit concerned or consternated about the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> That, by the way, is the word of the day. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, they've definitely leveled up, and it'll be interesting to see uh, how they gel together because they've got a lot of pieces. And I think, as you just brought up, Mr. Love, uh, who I see as a potential coach, 
maybe five years from now, um, is going to be doing a lot of things for those young players that um, is frankly a luxury for a team that's got a lot of potential for the future. He's, I don't see him as a coach. I see him as someone, he's going to like retire, move to Alabama and open up a chain of Wendy's or something. Like I, I don't see him <laughs> as sticking around in the league. No, listen, if you go to Alabama, it's got to be Bojangles. It can't be Wendy's. So yeah, I mean, let's get it right here. Bojangles. Alabama. Sure. Yeah. Where did uh, anybody know where Kevin Love grew up? I don't know. I mean, I know he went to UCLA, but. California. Is he a California kid? Uh, technical difficulties. I don't think I heard what you said there, Pete. Um, again, that's that's another task for our intern. We'll, yeah, I we'll have to. Yeah, he's our intern just chimed in. He said, yeah, California, Santa Monica. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Right. Thanks, Perfect. Mickey. Mickey's intern, everyone. <laughs> and so Mickey is also our timekeeper. Uh, I'm getting a signal from him now that we need to wrap it up. Uh, so just wanted to end with a little preview here for uh, what the season has in store over the next couple of episodes. We're going to do some East and West team previews. Uh, we'll also offer some fantasy tips, though I want to hold off on those until after Brenton and Peter have drafted their teams. Uh, and we'll also have the return of our one-on-one segment. Uh, we just need to come up a prize with uh, for the loser there, and then we're going to be up and running. So look out for some more great content from us. And thanks for listening. This has been Peach Basket. I uh, got a crack in my uh, windshield recently. It's up to us to get the truth out there. Not too shabby. Serves them right. I'll rip them a new one on Yelp. Uh, Demontrius Huddlesworth the third. Yes. Thank goodness it's Funyuns. Yeah, uh, I thought that yesterday. I said, what, what's that uh, bright yellow circle in the sky? That's weird. Who is Demontrius? Get here, buddy. Oh, Demontrius Huddlesworth. He's got auto tune on. <laughs> T-Pain is joining us on the podcast today.